Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. And guess what? You don't have to die at the hands of a shape-shifting clown to join. No, all you have to do is tune in every Friday as us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. Each week, we'll either spend hours reading between the pages of one of his books or chew on his latest tweets and Hollywood headlines. What's more, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Mick Garris, Jerry O'Connell, Mary Lambert, Will Wheaton, and the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, take a second before we get started here. Hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. Put out multiple interviews every single week. And if this is your kind of thing, you'll want to keep up with us. So whether you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podchaser, Acast, uh, wherever you're listening from right now, I am certain that there is a subscribe button in front of you. I'm Kyle Meredith. It's a special trio episode again this week. Going to be talking with the bands Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, Editors, and Albert Hammond Jr., you know him, of The Strokes. Going to start with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. I got to catch up with Robert Bean in 2018 to talk about their record, Wrong Creatures. We also get into uh, drummer Leah Shapiro's brain surgery that had kind of sidetracked the band for a little bit. We talk about their iconic debut single, Whatever Happened to My Rock and Roll, a question that is unfortunately still sometimes needing to be asked these days. And what happened to the leftover songs of their new record? Getting us started here on a special trio episode, it's Kyle Meredith with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm well. How are you? I uh, can't complain. <laughs> I like it when it takes a second to think about that, though. You know, it's not an automatic. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> when complaining comes so e- easily, one has to take a second to <laughs> to not take the easy yeah. you're out. Well, man, How's it going? yeah, I'm well. Congratulations on uh, on this record. Uh, I, I tell you, life is better when there's a new BRMC record in the world, and this is uh, as good as anything you guys have ever done. I've loved every second of it. Well, thank you very much. I don't know if there's a technical starting point for you all with this record. Uh, I know a lot has been talked about in between, and, and one of those big stories in between is your drummer, Leah Shapiro, I mean, having brain surgery. How big of an effect did that have on, on this record? Well, um, it's it kind of it kind of forced us. For, we were pretty steady with like kind of you know uh, uh, write, record, release, booze, uh tour, and then um, we had just we had to like yeah just stop the train for for once, and that that's, it feels different, you know. Like I don't, we didn't really know what to do with ourselves sitting still for so long, and it's kind of not until you actually stop moving that. And stop kind of doing those things that kind of help get the demons out, so that that uh, the voices in the head, you know, start getting a little bit 
more in control <laughs> than than the, the other one. So it went a little, went a little, yeah, nutty. But there's a lot of, yeah, of course, the scary thing too to have to go through. So some of it was was uh, understandable. But yeah, just just not not being able to have that kind of uh, you know, uh, I don't know, tool or filter to kind of put everything through affected the album in that way. We kind of kind of learned like, oh yeah, we're a little crazier. I'm a little crazier than I thought I was. And I know, uh, yeah, yeah, I know Pete's crazy, but <laughs> uh, I had to learn that like, oh yeah, I'm kind of the same. So I don't have, you know, I don't, I don't hands or devil's play band. So you kind of, I don't know, come into, you know, once, once like we were back on form writing the record, it's kind of, you kind of look at it a little differently. But uh, we were as far, you know, I think the only thing I really remember, like, consciously was the last album, Spectre at the Feast, was such a, like, heavy, um, emotional album dealing with kind of, like, loss. And we kind of wanted to kind of be a rock band again. Uh, I, I don't know, not kind of lighten the load. And, and the record goes into kind of a lot of dark places, but they're, they're kind of like different worlds and different different uh, dream dreamscapes and things like that that aren't <laughs> that aren't reality yeah. <laughs> so as soon as you you paint a uh, dark enough pretty pretty enough picture uh yeah you, you don't you don't have to hang out in the real world quite as much yeah. so that's kind of what this record feels like it's like it it was it was a needed world to escape to it's it, that is interesting because without knowing that and and you know the way I kind of perceived it and heard it like I could hear moments of isolation within the songs and, and, and possibly of death without you know, yeah. trying to, trying to put it. And, and to me, like there is a lot happening in the world these days. It's sort of impossible to not get in your songwriting, but it almost seems like you're saying like that stuff was almost in spite of all of that. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, especially the last album was, was um, we're trying to make something out of that, you know, trying to make something good out of it. I think anytime you're trying to like create something artistically or just anything, build a birdhouse. Like <laughs> you want to do something with your time to to create something good that's of use. And so uh, uh, you know, the last album was that way too. It just um, I felt like I had to write more personally uh, in the last album. This this I just got to kind of paint pictures in the mind of of. Uh, just more abstract, you know, trying to kind of dream a little, you know, not be afraid to dream a little bigger. And and then, uh, it's hard hard to explain, but it was more, it was, I know our music sounds dark and heavy, but it's, 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 it's it's a beautiful thing to get to create, you know, when, when it all comes together, it's, it kind of lifts you up, uh, there's something to it, you know. I mean, that's what we do. You know, a lot of times, it, you know, what we're feeling, that's that's sort of, you know, as music fans, that's what we seek solace in is kind of the mirror of that. And somehow that works. <laughs> if you're sad, you listen to sad songs a lot of the time, you know. If you're feeling dark, you listen to dark songs. And Yeah, music, yeah, music can, it's a very malleable uh, element. So it can, it can, it's clay, it's clay and it can be molded to, to whatever you, you know, people want it to be. It can be escape. It can be. It can be surface. It can be. Yeah, just 
for the purpose of dancing, for the purpose of socializing with friends, for the purpose of drowning out, you know, whatever other noise. It, it can serve so many things. It can start a revolution, or it can be elevator jingles. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it can do whatever you... It, it's it's an interest, It's a, I don't know of anything that, that's so in service to what what you know you make of it so i know you guys have i mean you've written some of those revolutionary type songs i mean you know you you've had straightforward political songs in your past especially during the uh, the, the bush era and and i know a lot of artists are dealing with with these days and again you know i don't find it so overtly or obvious uh, on these songs but was it difficult writing with any of the current situations that were happening now that made you want to try that at all? When we start thinking about it, you know, we definitely don't want to kind of get, you know, let politics get in the way of music. So we never set out thinking to write something like that. It's, it's, it's there seems to be enough of that. And, and music's, it, it it can be free of all those things, and it's nice to to let it you know when you can. But uh, yeah, we've we've had our fair share of like you know songs, political songs that you kind of can't avoid writing. But yeah, never on never intentionally. Um, yeah. Most songs they come. Yeah, like the current. There's something actually about I did because this 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 current this state of. Um, state of the, the country is so it's being so presented as this extreme polarizing state and I usually don't I usually don't trust I feel like you know uh, people are trying to just constantly make people feel like they're we're all different we're, you know we're, you're different from them so, so this other culture this other uh, you know race your next door neighbor you know and and yeah we've got to you know, tour all over the world, and you, as soon as you get out of your bedroom and your TV, you know, pe- people stay everywhere you go. They, they're just, they just want to take care of their family and have a little bit of safety and find a little bit of hope and a little bit of love somewhere, and that's, that's about it. So, I don't want to play, uh, yeah, I didn't really want to play into more of the polarizing. I'm not like that hippie kind of peace and love and what, what you know, uh, passive but i just don't want to feed that beast anymore so you know in the past i guess yeah we've been more antagonistic but it just seems like low-hung fruit it's like a little too too easy i don't trust things that are that yeah i you'd write a song like that it's harder to look for you know whatever wherever wherever the challenge is is usually where the song is so that's probably seeing if you can find Thing that makes makes folks come together would be probably the the better thing right now and the hardest one to write, which I'm not good enough to write yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm not there. I'm, I'm still too pissed. I've I've drunk. I drank the the the, the, the Kool Aid, so yeah, I, I gotta I gotta calm down too. I mean, I, I like how it is filtered through this record. As I've been saying, you know, enough compliments here, but uh, you know. The the fact that I mean, little thing gone wild, just one of I think your best singles, and you know I look through that and think of you know what a great rock song, and I know there's that question that's even probably haunted you guys, or followed you around your entire career about what happened to my rock and roll, and it is a question I find myself asking more and more these days, and you get a record like this, 
you know, in a, in a band like you guys that still sort of believe in it and, and wave the flag, and, and I totally appreciate that. Yeah, so, well, it's, um, it's, it's unfortunate that it's still a, a good question to ask. But um, it's it's strange, but you know, having played the song for so many years and it actually still having uh, that much feeling, you know, left in it. Yeah. So I'm not, not sure why. I guess you know, sometimes I'm the questions more important than the answer, though. So that that one was always the kind of tip of the spear and some feeling as far as you know, pretty bold. Statement and it comes, yeah. There's certain uh, that one. I don't know. It's, a, it's one of the reasons. It's like I think, yeah, we had a rule about like never licensing it to anything, just just because the the spirit of it feels a little like different than other songs because it's without without that sort of kind of anti, you know, antagonistic anti like heart to it. The the, the song just dissolves. You know, it just becomes another sales pitch for something, and that was the hope. Of it. Yeah, it, it didn't come from that place, so we didn't, we didn't uh, try and keep it away from that. I heard that there was a much longer version of DFF. You think that'll ever see the light of day, just for the fun yeah. of it? Yeah, we're just trying to figure out what we're going to do. With, there's a couple. We did these three, like, really DFF, but there's also three really um, high-up octane speedball rock songs that were that were some of the best songs on the album and at the I think the last like day we we took we took them all off the album and still trying to still trying to figure out if that was a huge mistake or not. But um we play one of the songs, Bandung Hum, live, but um there's a couple others that uh that weren't meant to be B sides because, you know, we we put everything into it. Um so we're just trying to figure out, yeah, how to, what we're gonna do. Like we might, we might put out an EP uh, or something strange and kind of get get songs like get the eight minute version of DFS out there for people that uh, maybe it's like eleven minutes. I don't know, but it's like it's just it's it's as it's probably as long as the high the high is gonna last that you'll need to um, be in the state of. To, it's a really it is a really it's like that song's meant to, to be a genuine just yeah meditation but one of the best songs to, you know to take drugs to healthy drugs but um <laughs> the good stuff yeah it takes you somewhere else and uh and then these other tunes yeah we're just trying to figure out what what we're going to do it's kind of a nice feeling though to have like you know a couple couple bullets left in the gun that people don't no, yeah, you're walking around with. Well, thanks so much, man. It, it was great talking to you, and uh, I really appreciate this record. Uh, I still love what you guys are doing, so thank you very much. Thank you, man. Very cool. Thanks for helping me get the music out there. Yeah, definitely. Anytime, every time. Uh, we'll see you around. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good. You too. Bye. My thanks to Robert Bean of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Again, that's a record, Wrong Creatures. It's out now. Going to jump to uh, part two of today's episode, talking with the band Editors. Again, another episode that was recorded in 2018, right after the Editors released their latest record called Violence. I caught up with uh, Justin Lockie to talk about the human connection theme that runs through the uh, whole album and the refugee crisis that they hit on as well. They also re-recorded one of their uh, classics, No Sounds But the Wind. Get to catch up on why they did that, what the story is behind that. It's Kyle Meredith with Editors. 
So first off, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard a couple of the tracks now, but uh, I, I'd kind of like to start with that album title because uh, naming something violence, that's a, that's a pretty strong statement right out of the gates. What's the, uh, <laughs> what's the story yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, it's a very strong word. There's two, I think it's kind of two ways of looking at it from where we were, com- where we were coming at with this title. Um, a lot of the album and a lot of the lyrical themes and the thread running through it from Tom's kind of perspective is about the need for human connection and human relationships in the world that we live in at this moment. So the violence in, te- in, in the title is almost the violence of the backdro- backdrop of the world we live in. And the songs are more of a approach to how we as humans need to connect to s- kind of stay safe from the violence of the outside world. So it kind of frames it's like we're over here in this room with these songs and outside the door is this kind of you know snowballing violent assault on uh, everyone's senses on a day-to-day basis what we're like you know politics rolling news you know the the need the craving for a narrative that just that just keeps exploding and this is in every country this is you know we're going through this whole thing politically at the moment. I mean, you've got it over there in the States with the Trump administration and we have it over here with Brexit. France had it with the, like, close call with the far right in their elections. The Dutch have got it with their far right. The Austrians, you know, this is, like, widespread, pretty right-wing stuff happening. And then the other aspect of it is it starts with VI. And it's it's the band's sixth record. And we feel it's something to be celebrated, being honest. There's not many bands who get to reach album six, uh, let alone carry on growing album six is kind of an anomaly in in modern rock so yeah you don't you don't expect to be so surprised as by album six by by someone's first single and you know you guys come right out of the gate there with with magazine which is <laughs> yeah. one of the biggest singles like the the most soaring singles that you guys have ever put out you know yeah it's, yeah. it's um i think there's something about this record i think i don't know if it was the state of mind when we made it or where we made it it was just kind of Tom brought these songs in and the, like, the best way to attack these songs just seemed to be pretty head-on and pretty focused in, in how we in how we approached them. It wasn't like there's nothing calculated about it. It was just, you know, we got to work on it and, and, and the vibe that kept coming back was pretty big and focused and, and, and quite up and quite poppy considering, you know, the, the, the way and the subject matter and then here we are putting out these soaring songs you know, it's kind of like uh, opposites, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's, it's nice it's how the way it landed. Yeah, it's it, the counterbalance is really interesting too because, you know, what we first get is just the track list, and you look at there, and you've got words, cold, darkness at the door, nothingness, yeah, nothingness, and, yeah, and you and you know, you guys have written dark music, uh, you know, for your entire career or or whatever you might categorize that as, but yeah. you know, I sort of wonder, like, especially because of sort of the themes that's going on, is there hope in this album as well? Yeah, these to- I mean, I think the songs are all um, statements of hope against where we're at right now as a race, as a as a human race. I think there's a there's an element of hope in the connection and the human element of it, which is, is what, you know, essentially what Tom's singing about. I think it's just the, the way that the title of the album and the titles of the songs plays off against the actual, you know, the hopeful side of everything is kind of, where I think the balance of the record is probably the best balance that the band has ever had. I think musically speaking and lyrically and um, thematically, I think it's the best, it's the best the band's ever been. So it's, it just kind of all 
turned into this quite focused, hopeful glimmer in the darkness of where we're at right now in terms of what's going on in the world. And you see that in the album art as well. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like a tangle of people. I mean, that's, I know that's more of a literal connection of, of people right yeah. there, but that plays into it, right? Yeah, it totally plays into it. I mean, you know, we, we live in a world where, you know, half of the time you go on any, like, public transport, you go to a public place, there's, there's a disconnect. There's not, you know, there's not, is everyone staring at their phones? You know, it's like you go to a show, Everyone's watching it through a screen when they're actually present in the moment of being in front of a band, yet they're watching it through a screen. So it's a really odd situation to be in. It's like, I guess if you go back like 10, 15 years and go, no, you know, in the future when you go to a show, you'll watch it through a tiny screen, even though you're there at the same time. Or when you go out to dinner, you'll just stare at your phone. You don't need to talk to each other. You know, it's, this, you know, people would have said you were crazy. So yeah, having that like blunt force human element on the cover is kind of a, a signal as to what we're what we're trying to talk about and what we're trying to achieve with the record so so yeah it's it's um it's very relevant i yeah. guess and I, there's a lot of as you're kind of alluding to in the beginning of this i mean there, there's a lot of issues that you could sort of point and focus on i, I had noticed a post from late last year about uh, the refugee situation and, yeah. you know, we, we sort of see a version of that over here, too, especially with Trump yelling about a wall or something like that. And but I, you know, I sort of wonder, like being in the UK, being in Europe, it feels like to me that you would be much closer to, to physically and emotionally having to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, we see it. We see it on, you know, 24 hour rolling news. You can't get away from it. I think the, the difference is, is the understanding and the viewpoint of the people who you are seeing it's like you know we only have to go back a little bit in history to work out that the entire of the usa is based on immigration you know is the whole country is built on immigration you know in the same way you know you only have to go back not too far to remember the mass migrations of you know the late 30s early 40s in europe when the whole of the continent got decimated by war you know and only 20 years before that the same thing happened and it's like mass movements of people yeah you can understand it's a logistical problem but at the end of the day humans escaping um tyranny is a cause and a just cause somewhere along the line i think people get a bit messed up that it's like yeah can they not go somewhere else there's only so many places to go you know if you're, if you're willing to get on a if you're willing to get on a raft across the mediterranean sea whilst losing kids and your kids and family members along the way and still be standing up at the other side looking for a better life then you know who who am i right. to deny anyone that simple basic tenant of life you know and yeah, a few of the guys went out to a refugee camp in northern Greece last year, and these are people living in dust on the on the like charity of of a people donating. And this is in mod, this is modern Europe. You know, this is a place where you've got this is a couple of countries away. You've got CERN shooting particle accelerators around a in a mountain, and you've got the fanciest this that and the other. But then, and the same, we've got people living in dirt trying to escape a conflict of which is being bombed to hell by countries on all sides you know it's like you know there's no balance there it's, this is this is a one-sided global phenomenon which calls for a global response of which you know, i think we're too settled into our modern lives cozy kind of way of life to uh, care about the other guy whereas i think back in the day or back in our previous generations we kind of cared about the other guy we went to war about the other guy mm -hmm. you know the guy that, that was helpless and now we kind of go well is he gonna mess with my laptop uh, you know 
will I not get to see my doctor when I really want to? You know, it's like these are small things in the, in the grand scheme of things. It's what I like about this record, too, because it's one thing just to shout angry lyrics at a person or one thing, but you've got to have a solution. This, I think it's a, I think what I think what Tom's trying to say is he's not trying to. I just, I, I'd say it's not a political record. I think it's a record that has come along at a highly politically charged time. I think, and Tom has explicit about this as well. Is he doesn't tell anyone what to think. He offers up a narrative or a story about what is happening or something that could coincide with something that's happening. And you kind of just got to use your brain and 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 you know see the um, um, the ambiguous nature of his lyrics and, and work out what he's trying to say, but. I, I think I don't think it's a band's place to tell someone what to think. I mean, process songs and stuff like that when they're just geared up just to do that, they're great and you know they they have a cause and they have their thing. But for us as a band, it's kind of you know this this is where we're at. Yeah. Um, what do you think? It's more of a conversation. It's more of a you know a two way thing. I'm sure when we get on the road, we'll meet people who, who who talk. And we've already you know we're already in you know deep into press and interviews and stuff and promo. And it's like we're having these discussions and and the good discussions. And I think they're discussions that that should happen more. You know, the discourse about where we're at and what's going on in relation to culture and art and politics is is very relevant i appreciate that you're having the conversations i, I agree with you it, it, there's no more important time to have these now and to have the podium that you have you know and the megaphone yeah. that you have to kind of push that out there like i really do appreciate that yeah, yeah. thanks um with that in mind i'm actually going to switch course a little bit here because uh, you know when i when i look at that track list I, I do see a song on there no sound but the wind and i think yeah. well, i've seen that one before <laughs> right yeah this one, it was, a, it was, I think the reason it ends up on the record is the record as a whole, there's a lot of um, brutal electronica on this record in, in places, which was brought to us by Ben, who, who's also the blank mass, who worked on the production angle and stuff. And the record felt like it needed a breathing point. And Tom never really thought they nailed a proper recording of No Sound. And it kind of thematically kind of just worked alongside where we were going with the record, aims-wise and sounds-wise. And um, it was was one where, you know, it's a strange song because that song is like, it's kind of like a national anthem in Belgium. It's a, it's a really big song in like Belgium for some reason. It's like, it's usually just Tom playing it on a piano live and, and, you know, they have a strong connection emotionally to that song. And I just think it got to the point where instead of just this being this like live version out there or a demo version that, someone using on a soundtrack years ago it's like let's let's put it to bed let's let's make a real version and get it on a record because it really suited dynamically what dynamically what we were trying to achieve for the record so uh leo the producer who came in towards the end of the record was like i think we should give it a go and we did and it worked out really well so we're really happy about it yeah it now, now is it just sort of a pushing it further uh from the starting point that the, the song already is am i gonna am i gonna recognize the song or is this a, sort of a, oh, yeah. a completely new You'll totally recognize the song. I think it's just it's just elements of the whole band are in there. So it is driven by a piano and and a vocal and a very strong like contextual narrative in there. But it's I think the layers that are with it just to elevate it to somewhere else. It's um it's got everyone had a had a hand in that one and uh, we, we did it really fast as well. It went down really fast, so it just just felt right. And, and with ten tracks, I mean that's pretty concise. I mean, is there is there leftovers? Any chance of some of those great B-sides floating around afterwards? Any plans? Well, there's, there's some stuff coming out in the special editions. There's a track called Pulse, which uh, we've been playing for a couple of years at festivals. Um, we tried making it on the last record. We tried making it 
twice on this record. There's two different versions. Um, I'm sure they're going to, I think they're, I think one of them is ending up on a special edition and I think um, they all find a way out. Yeah. It's really strange. It's a really strange song. You just, you know, we felt like the directness of the record and the directness of the songs really worked well as this track list didn't. We felt like there was no, we didn't feel like we were shortchanging anyone with the amount of tracks. I mean, it's not like a Drake album with like 26 tracks on it, but, <laughs> you God. know, we're not really, yeah, we're not, we're not really going for the Spotify algorithms. We're going just to make, well, I think we still believe in albums. It's just probably quite an old fashioned uh, construct nowadays, but, you know, we're an old fashioned band. Yeah. You know, I'm an old fashioned listener, old so yeah. 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 <laughs> And I, I saw, by the way, that you guys are going to be on that uh, that Cure show for their their fortieth. Yeah, uh, you know that's that's sort of a side of everything here. But you know what what a cool thing what a what a cool thing to be a part oh, of, of one of the great bands. It's one of those, it's one of those things that uh, things like that come in and you just like you don't really think about it. You just go, yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that one. Let's do that one. And you know, there's loads of great bands on the bill that we all like. So it's just going to be one of those days in summer where we just rock up, do our show, and then you know, take time off and, and watch the other bands and and really be happy. And you know, we where we're at. It's a uh, it's a strange one because we've got another show out in Europe, which we're headlining uh, in the summer, where it's us, the National, and Kraftwerk. Um, wow. So we get to do like these just stupendous shows and. The two highlights being, I think, the Cure show and uh, the one with National and Kraftwerk as well. Yeah. is pretty special. So now I'll ask you an impossible question here, but do you th- think that Robert Smith will ever put out more new music? Yeah, I think so. I think so. He was going to work with me on. He, he was um, he was going to be working on the, the Martin Victories album that I did last year with Rachel and Stuart and Mogwai and stuff, but the timing wasn't right. But I, I was emailing him like the whole of last year. We were emailing backwards and forwards about trying to get the timing to get him on the Martin Victories record, and uh, it didn't work out. So hopefully, I'll uh, I'm going to go knocking on his door for album two. Just keep knocking, so, yeah. keep knocking. It's been ten yeah. years since uh, since he's put out anything official, so I'm ready for that. So it's. I, I hope they do. I hope they come back and smash a really great record because they're a great bands they're one of the bands you know in modern history they're one of the most influential bands so uh justin know. thanks so much for for talking to me i love this editor's record i'm so happy you guys are still doing this and in the place that you are thank because you, man. you knocked it out cheers dude have a good one you too thanks bye thank you mate bye big old thanks to justin lucky of the band editors talking about their latest record violence And now for part three of today's episode, Albert Hammond Jr. This interview was recorded right before Albert played South by Southwest in 2018. In fact, he was at South by Southwest when I caught him right before a sound check. We talked about his uh, latest solo record, Francis Trouble, how there's a bigger, harder sound to it, getting into some 80s metal even in some parts of it. Of course, there's an interesting story that goes uh, about it, about a, a twin brother that he never knew, how that went on to influence sort of the uh, persona that he puts on for this record. We also discussed the book that came out a couple years ago that retraced the history of rock and roll in New York City in the early aughts, Meet Me in the Bathroom, and a little updates on the Strokes at that time. It's Kyle Meredith with Albert Hammond Jr. Hey, Albert, how are you? Good, Kyle. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's good to talk to you again. I hear you're down in the uh, madness of Austin right now. I am. I'm in a... In a car trying to get to um, the outdoor venue because I think we have a possibility of a sound check, which is 
unheard of and it made me very excited. It's true. Well, I'll uh, we'll, we'll try to make this to the point then so you can uh, get to that sound check, hopefully. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm really enjoying uh, Francis Trouble, man. What a cool record that you just released. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's like, it means a lot that people are feeling the same way I feel about it, which is great. I do feel like we probably got to get the story over with because there's a little story that the press is running with here. Uh, that sort of goes into the record, and it's a bit of a bizarre story, right? Well, yeah, it's just it's just a actual truth. <laughs> <laughs> but this is about uh, a twin brother that um, uh, was was never really was uh, miscarried, never born. How do you say that? Uh, stillborn. It was stillborn. I mean, it's not it's not about it. It's just like um, how would I say it? It's uh, it's like the stitching in a in a jacket, right? It holds the jacket, but you don't you don't notice it. You don't see it. So it's just kind of what got it started, you know, but uh, you know, as far as that story goes. No, actually, it was in the it was in the middle. Oh, didn't okay. even get it started. I came off tour, and I knew I wanted to make. I just wanted to make a visceral record, a fun record, and I started playing the idea of of an alter ego, and I didn't want my name attached to it or the baggage to it. And uh, it just, when I found out that information kind of in the middle of making the record, it just cemented the path and kind of, I don't know, when, when you're creating, you're kind of just bouncing between two sides and taking little bits here and little bits there and you're traveling a sandbox. You don't really know what's happening. You're just having fun with stuff. And then things start to appear. And when you're done, you see paths that you taken to get to certain places but writing for an alter ego though that sort of opens a lot of doors as you're saying one it gets to the the baggage that you're talking about but but also you know i would think that it gives you a little bit more freedom than what you usually allow yourself to take the direction to to explore sure i mean it was just it was more an exercise to or at least it started i feel like as you grow up and live you you build a lot of walls from insecurities and fears and you know, just many interactions in life. And so it was kind of like a taking down of that. So if I could be someone else, I could I could poke fun of myself a little more and have a little more fun with certain things. And then that, like you said, definitely helps with, with melodies. It also helps opening up the door to strangely write more truthfully about myself uh, and things that I had I had gone through uh, lyrically. There's a lot of, uh, uh, even from a positive place, it's just a lot of things I've realized. You know, you start to see your fallibility as you, as time goes on, you just see all the mistakes you continue to make. <laughs> the interesting thing about that too is, you know, it's, and, and, and the parallel on this, I think a psychologist would have a field day with all of this too, because, you know, here is that backstory, you know, you're, you're, you have a twin brother that that's stillborn. Your mom doesn't exactly know that you're in there. You grow undetected. With the use of an alter ego, you get to grow undetected because there is a major spotlight because of your history. Wow. You know, I like strokes. that parallel shit. <laughs> I can't be the first person who said that. No, but it's fun to... It's like... I don't know when you're there's many different aspects of an interview right there's some people who just coming at it and having you talk about it and then sometimes you have a conversation and you just you re-see stuff that you know just from how they saw it um it happened recently when i was talking with andrew wk on this podcast he was he poked in there too it's been a whole thing in all my life being a junior and then being in a band i mean this record definitely has given me the opportunity to try to to break away from the you know, when you get successful in a story of rock through media, you get like, you know, typecasted. He's a guitar player, and this is what the history of guitar players have done, and that's it. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so I kind of, this record is trying to break that narrative, but the fact that I actually know that I can say it out loud and I'm not like confused if someone were to ask me that has made it even more, more so a thing, you know? And with that guitar thing, I mean, you are known for a sound. You somewhat invented a sound, which not a lot of people can say, at least one that became popular. <laughs> so what's new sure. this time? What, you know, what, what are the breaking points uh, on this record? I still think always with guitar, you uh, songs and parts as, a, as, like a, as like a whole. I feel like there's very few guitar bands that have parts. And so it was really like um, something for me and to, to avoid keyboards and just have that have that more raw energy was really something uh, important to me. But, I mean, I hear things on here that I don't usually hear from you, like the, the, the final track, Harder, Harder, Harder. I'm thinking, like, is that a great blast of 80s metal that I hear coming through there? I mean, that's definitely like, I, I definitely like stuff. I like such a wide variety, you know, stuff. And I definitely... That's one of my favorite songs, Play Live, to just the fact that I that I made, you know what I mean? Uh, that it's not, um, I don't know, I, I, I kind of made that. My first record was like a living room record, you know? It's kind of like trippy and you should listen to alone and like sonically it has all these different textures and, and this one's like a come out to the show and, and let's, let's all gather together and fucking, you know, jump up and down. And it's like the the wonderful, you know, theatrical, a little over the top things, which I which I love because I feel like sometimes rock in general can take itself a little too seriously. Maybe because you know it it it's had a it's had a voice or it, or it has been you know it can be seen as moving in a certain way. But I just feel like it's fun to you can have both. Is what I'm trying to say. It's um it is a solo record, but you know you still got a band. So in a sense, is it still band life for you at this point? Yeah, it always is. I mean, it's not like it's just that there's no there's no reason for me to find a band name because I'm in a band that you know has a has its moment in history. So I don't want to compete against a band name. It seems unnecessary. But for me, as a as a as as a person and for what I do, I feel like there's a lot more room. And if I try to make it convoluted by putting a band name, then it just feels like. I don't know. It doesn't feel right. The band still exists so much, though, and it, you know, just it just doesn't feel right. And with my name, it feels like that's what I'm trying to do. I want to take my name and my songs, and I want to play arena. You know, I'm enjoying having room on stage now. So, you know, that's like that's where I that's where I want to go. That's where it seems fun. Yeah. And I don't think a band name would take me there. I think a band name would would only hurt me. Well, I, I sort of ask in a, a specific context, like. Um... I had uh, Brandon Flowers on my show sometime last year, and, and I was talking about his solo cuts. And for him, I said, you know, do you wish that those solo albums had been Killers records? And, and he said, without a doubt, yes. He wishes they were kill, Killers records. But I get the sense from you that it's more important that these are Albert Hammond Jr. songs and not Stroke songs. Well, it's different, though. He, I don't sing in, in, in the Strokes. I like singing. I like performing. It's more like having... You know, you're, you're trying to do this because you want to be able to determine your future and when you can go on tour and when you can play. And the other one is a bigger machine that's much slower. And, you know, creatively, I, you know, even if I give everything I have, it's still 10 percent. I'm left with all this and I can't just I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do if I just left this at home. All the songs, all the artwork, all the, the whole richness of it. And I just like would leave it sitting at home seems 
seems like a waste. That sounds very sad. I would be very sad, as I say again, how much I'm enjoying these records. Yeah, if you would be sad, you imagine how I would feel. It would be like it would be like a death. You know, it's like it's not. Um, there's just not enough room for me to only do that. Well, I know that we, we wouldn't get some songs like, uh, and let me gush about another song on this record, like T for Two is such an interesting sound for you. That's a different thing that I'm getting. Like, what's the story on that song? Because I got to feel like there's something happening there. You know, like when you like the, the, the saying, like you, you start taking whatever you start doing now that seems so small will eventually lead to something bigger in like a year or two. Well, basically, I feel like I've been slowly changing uh, since my EP, trying to figure that out, and I've got into different music. So this, it doesn't seem crazy different for me because I feel like I've been living it, but I know that it's different from what would be expected, and that that's exciting. But I don't know how to say it because I, it's not like I... I don't know. I just I look at songs where like you know you start playing and you're like ah that's that's not exciting me now. So the songs on this record are the sounds that are exciting me now, or or you know progressions or way way things are. Um, how would I put it? Like uh, structures of stuff, you know, it just works right now so well. Again, I, I'm grateful for it. I think you've done the best uh, solo record yet, and I say that being a very big fan of the last one too. I know when we talked, I gushed a lot about that, and I'm probably overly gushing here, but uh, you know, <laughs> that's how it goes. No, I have no. I have. I'm like. I feel like to to write to get better, you have to know. Just like in the process of writing, you might have your favorite part, and then you're writing, and all of a sudden, the new part comes in that just you can tell will be a better song than the part you have. You got to be able to just move on from it. So that's a big thing. I look at it. That's a positive thing. I, you know, everything that comes before has cool songs to me, but nothing has what this has as a whole, as a record, you know? And, you know, secretly you wish you could start again and be like, all right, that was just stuff I did in my room. I didn't play it for anyone. (laughs) But then uh, half of that change is, you know, kind of feeling like you're failing in front of people definitely gives you a different outlook on stuff. But yeah, it's by far the best record I've, I don't even... The other ones, you know, the other ones are in a corner. But I, I got to be honest, though, now playing with these new songs, now playing old songs live is, is amazing. Like songs like Side Boob have taken from the last record have taken off on this on this tour more than other ones. I don't know if it's because of the new songs or just the dynamic of stage or having a record that you feel like this about and then just older songs just get richer. You know, I understand, you know, when you have a new project like this, that the past is always kind of creeping there. And and there is the weight that we were talking about early on in the interview. Uh, So so I kind of ask is in that context, I just picked up that book and I will say that book because we all sort of know what I'm talking about with meet me in the bathroom. What was it like after all of this though? Like seeing your life and that history in third person, like now it's in a book. Now all of that's happened. I mean, there's no way any of that stuff can capture your life. You know, it's, it's as much as you can talk with a person there, they have a, of a story and you're going to end up having like three or four days of your life. That's going to seem like a period of 10 years, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny. I like, I, I, I enjoy looking at things like you're just this character and they're just kind of like, you know, not, how do I put it? It's just like something that's there. I enjoy talking to Lizzie. I thought I was when I spoke to her about all the things I spoke to her about, they were just like fun stories. And I had read Please Kill Me. So I was just like, oh, it's so cool. Just, you know, you tell fun stories back and forth. And then media has fun creating their own stories. It is whatever, you know, it is just if you look at it humorously, it's great. If you take it seriously, it's bad. 
people get pretty serious. I, I feel like life's a little less serious than, you know, I think it's more serious things than whatever the book is, you know. I don't think you'd know anyone deeper because of it. I hope you'll uh, grant me the, uh, the questions that you probably can't answer here, but I've noticed that it has been sort of a leapfrog with solo strokes, solo strokes. Um, do you foresee that that's going to keep that going that way? Oh, I have, I've, I've made it a rule to just say answering those questions. I have a tagline. It's not part of my culture, but, uh, you know, I, I only mean that from like the deepest part of my heart. I always find that the media always tries to tear us apart. So I wait to be as a band when we speak and when we're not a band and I'm doing my stuff, then mm-hmm. I just speak about me. You know, right. I always feel like fans think it's a sore thing, but it's not. It's just, it comes from a, from a, from a, from a good place trying to keep something without being damaged by other people. You know what I mean? Trying right. to keep it just for myself. I'll say uh, that I'm asking the question from a selfish, very selfish point of view, because that just means I get more music from you quickly. Of course, of course. I totally understand. <laughs> I understand. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the band. I love it, too. Well, either way, I'm glad to have this one right now. I'm really, really enjoying Francis Trouble, and i got to thank you for it, and thank you for your time today, especially in all that madness down there. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Have uh, a nice day, man. I'll talk to you later. You, too. Take care, man. Bye. All right, bye. There it is, my interview with Albert Hammond Jr. The record is called Francis Trouble. I believe he's still out promoting that one right now. And again, thanks to Robert Bean of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, Justin Lockie of Editors for the special episode today, and to you, especially if you're uh, hitting that subscribe button. I hopefully you enjoyed all this, so keep up with all of the interviews that I put out every single week. Of course, you can subscribe anywhere that you're listening to right now, uh, whether that's YouTube or Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Acast, Podchaser, iTunes. It's all got a subscribe button. I promise you that. After that, please do head over to WFPK.org. That's the radio station where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some uh, bonus episodes of this series over there as well. You can find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith, Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another week. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.